Hello and welcome back to Creative Blessings with Father Nico Pacris and Chris Katsakis. We are now on episode 4 and today we'll be talking about um, Pentecost and how it affects us in our daily lives. So welcome back, Father. Nice to be back, Chris. This is great. Thank you, as usual. Uh, we're now four episodes in and I think we're getting into a groove and we have a nice chemistry and we see uh, how how this episode unfolds, and um, I'm, I'm excited. So uh, how about you start off? Thank you, Christo. And, and you know, thanks for um, putting this together. It's just been really wonderful. It's been so much fun, and I look forward to doing many, many more. Absolutely. So um, this last Sunday, uh, excuse me, uh, at the time that we're recording this, it's actually the week after Pentecost. We've now entered the Apostles' Fast. Right. Um, hopefully this episode will be up by the time that it'll still be the Apostles' Fast, which is a couple more weeks. So we can put it, frame it in that context. But as we know, a big feast in our church is the Feast of Pentecost. And this is not just an Orthodox Christian feast day. It's something that's huge in the Roman Catholic world as well. It's a huge feast day, um, if not called that, uh, in the different Protestant denominations. Everyone has an understanding of what Pentecost is. Um, there's even, you know, a denomination, a denomination that's named after Pentecost, you know, Pentecostal. Um, but either way, Pentecost from, comes from the second chapter of the book of Acts and uh, how the, the Holy Spirit came to the apostles and was the birth of the church. At that, on that day, we believe that, um, you know, obviously the apostles were in the upper room. They were, they had already seen the risen Christ. The Lord had already ascended and they were told by God to go wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit came upon them. And so when the Holy Spirit finally did, it took the form of tongues of fire and so forth, and they began preaching in different languages and went out to all the world and started the church. And it was a very, it's a very beautiful, moving story, especially when we consider that we're the successors of that. And so I loved how last week, uh, you know, we were talking about podcast topics for superheroes, for creative blessings. And I said, hey, Chris, you know, what do you think we should do? And you were like, well, how about we talk about maybe superheroes and Pentecost? Maybe the uh, maybe how that concept can be connected in there. Um, I gave it some thought. I prayed about it. I love that idea. And um, I guess we'll start this way. So um, I promise I'm getting somewhere with this, too. <laughs> but uh, how about this? Let me ask you what number one, who is your favorite superhero? And number two, um, what about that superhero makes him so makes him or her so cool? Uh, maybe in terms of superpowers or what specific abilities they have that you like so much? Well, as far as with superpowers, it would be Superman. He's one of my he's he's the one that got me into comics as a kid. Ding, ding, ding. You know, uh, everybody would venture to say. You know, my son, Constantine, the six-year-old, he's the Spider-Man fanatic. He loves the idea of climbing walls and swinging and stuff because he kind of does that. So, <laughs> um, yeah, for me, it's Superman. I, I've always, um, I think I just love the altruism of Superman, the heroic, um, uh, you know, representation. And, you know, I think maybe also it's akin to my faith with orthodoxy. Um, you know, he is in a sense, the Messiah to the world. He is the one to bring justice and truth to humanity. Um, I've always uh, I've always liked Batman, but the kind of dark anti-hero brooding character was never one of my 
uh, you know, focuses. I like, I always like the strong superhero type. There was a comic back in the eighties called the justice machine. I like those characters. I always like the, the, like the bold costumes. Now, if I were on the Marvel side, I'd probably say Iron Man because I felt he was a human being who didn't have powers, but achieved so much in the ability of his mind and his ability with technology in the suit to achieve a superhero status. And I always enjoyed that he was kind of like, in the comic realm, now he's like a phen phenomenal success in the movies, but in, in the comics, he was kind of a side character for all those years. You know, it was always really Captain America, Thor, um, you know, the Avengers took forefront, the X-Men. Uh, but I always had a special uh, feeling for Iron Man because I felt there was that human vulnerability there, that he could actually be killed or he could be hurt very easily where the others, ah, you punch me, I come back, I regenerate. You know, they have that extra strength, that extra, that, um, you know, that, uh, that uh, card in the pocket to pull out where he may not. His irons, his Iron Man suit's destroyed. If another one's not around or quickly to get to him, he's got to think quickly. So, you know, I would say for DC Superman, Marvel would be uh, Tony Stark Iron Man. How about yourself? Oh, man. You know, not to sound cliche, and I promise it's not just because you said it, but um, I, I got to tell you, man, I think that my choices might be the same. I think for sure. Um, well, I know you love Superman. <laughs> I'm, a huge, I'm a huge Superman fan. I, I love Superman. I think that in general, and this is to bring it to the to the power side of it, you know, which is where we're going with this. Um, I think that Superman by itself as a concept is the ultimate little boy's fantasy, right? right. Uh, you know, he can fly, he's super strong, he beats up the bullies, um, all the things that, you know, I mean, um, he's got Lois Lane chasing after him, you know, wanting to get him to notice her. Um, every, every little boy has this kind of idealistic type idea of wouldn't it be great if I could do X or X, Y, Z? Wouldn't it be great if we could do the following things? Um, I think that in general, that's what that's what appeals to people about superheroes so much. Um, yes, they are heroes um, and hero stories have existed all through the course of humanity, uh, the history of humanity. Um, but superheroes are something a little bit different um, that is extra fun, extra special, extra um, uh, crazy. I mean, it's just it's just. Um, it's it's a big big world and a big big concept, right? Um, so Superman has of all the superheroes a, a bunch of different superpowers. He can fly. He's super strong. He's got X-ray vision. He's got heat vision. Depending on what era you're reading him, I mean, he can do all kinds of other things too. So I think every every person really responds to this, and I know I'm no different. And um, I mentioned this a little bit on my blog, but I liked Superman, you know, just as much as the next kid when I was a kid. I really started liking Superman later on in my life, um, like when I got to seminary. By that point, I was I was reading it regularly, and I would say it's even increased. I think I really identify with the, um, you know, like you said, the the ideal, um, the the heroic archetype, um, especially you know as a priest and as a dad. You know, you want to embody those qualities. You want to be there for your people and for your kids, your family. You want to be a good example, a good role model, and Superman embodies those things. Um, you know, obviously in a very fictional and kind of science fictiony way. And what's um, not to, to interrupt you, but what's interesting yeah, sure. to me is, um, 
if you go back to when he was created, the two creators, especially the artist, was that kind of um, retreating meek person who needed that character for his own his own benefit. And he created him out of you know his imagination. And as soon as um, DC picked it up and they marketed it, it became lightningly fast popular with the little boys. And that's how then the idea of Superboy and, and Supergirl eventually, it just, and Wonder Woman, it just, it, it appealed to that notion that I could be something more, I could be something that is, you know, in those moments of weakness, I can feel strong if I can relate to this character. Perfect segue. So, by the way, uh, I'm going to do a little shameless plug here, but I sure. actually read a phenomenal book about the – it's a it's a biography of both Jerry Siegel and Joe Shuster mm-hmm. uh, that was written in 2014 by a, by a rabid Superman fan who's just some some guy from Cleveland, you mm-hmm. know, just like they were. Um, it's called Superboys, and I did a review of the book on my blog uh, – on my other blog, my, my Superman site that I started a couple months ago. Um, yeah, I'm a total nerd. It's okay. Um, <laughs> So, uh, yeah, anyway, if anyone wants to check that out, that was a, that was a great, great book. I, I loved it. I read it cover to cover, super detailed. I'd, I'd, I'd read it again in a heartbeat. But to bring it back, you know, so you mentioned Jerry Siegel and Joe Shuster, um, the creators of Superman, feeling like weak and outcast and so forth. That is exactly what the character sprang out of. So um, their story was very much an immigrant story. I mean, both of their parents, both sets of parents were uh, refugees. They were Jewish. Uh, they came from Europe, they from war-torn Europe at the time, right after the First World War. They immigrated. One, one set of parents went to Cleveland, Ohio. One went to Canada and then to Cleveland, Ohio. They were best friends growing up. They were not popular in school. They were not cool guys, quote-unquote cool. Uh, they were definitely not athletic. Um, they were outcast. They, they were very unsuccessful with girls uh, in high school. I mean, it's it's a it's a classic, um, you know, um, story of, you know, the the outcast mm-hmm. outsider kid. And so basically this entire concept of Superman and by extension, every superhero after that was created to be kind of like this you know, way of empowering themselves when they felt they were weak and not powerful, not special, all those things. And that kind of brings me into where it becomes, you know, on a personal level. Um, so powerful, the concept of superheroes, and then eventually, you know, by extension, Pentecost. But have there ever been times where we as human beings feel like outcasts? Are there ever times that we feel like we are not special, like we are not wanted, not needed, etc.? I know that I have definitely had experiences like that in my life. Um, has there ever been a time when you have felt maybe not special or not wanted or not worthy of anything? Absolutely. I think if we're, we wouldn't be human if we weren't. I mean, um, my mom always used to say there's only one perfection. And, you know, he, he, he rose on the third day. So, you know, we are meant to feel many emotions. And, um, yes, I mean, I have gone through an art career of many ups and downs where I felt... Uh, and you, I mean, you talk to colleagues of mine who are master artists who feel they haven't accomplished what they should yet or uh, feel down about their work or, you know, you, you have notions where, uh, or stories you hear of Michelangelo burning his paintings and saying how worthless I am. And, you know, unfortunately, in the fields of art, you do see more of a prevalence of maybe uh, depressive anxiety um, disorders. But I think... Um, you know, we all have to take that with stride and do our best to go beyond 
um, what those depressive moments in our lives, whether, um, you know, it's a, it's a loss of someone or, or you're trying to achieve something you, and you're not achieving it. Um, you know, I feel that we're here for a limited amount of time to, you know, try to focus on with the positive things in your day. Uh, but, you know, sometimes give in to having a bad day, having a moment of weakness, because without failures, without weakness, you don't grow. And I think the failures and the weaknesses and the questioning brings us closer to God. It brings us even, you know, I think that notion of we must suffer to become closer to Christ is absolutely true. I think that is the key. It is not, we're not supposed to live, um, you know, just uh, a laissez-faire life where everything's rosy and peachy. I don't think that's why we're here. I think what would be the purpose of populating a planet <laughs> with millions of people if everything was status quo? I think there's a purpose to all this. And um, and it's interesting, I mean, when you mentioned superhero, superheroes, and we look back at Siegel and Schuster, when they were boys, they were meek, and, you know, they looked to this role model. But today, we have superheroes in the mainstream, yet we still have children who feel unwanted or unneeded. So... It's, it's funny how culture sometimes dictates, um, you know, manners and what I should be feeling or what I shouldn't be. If I'm not, you know, I'm not in with this crowd of kids or I'm not in with this group of people. I see it with adults. I see it with adults with money who are rich. I feel like they're trying to be the, the popular kids in high school. They may not have been. Now they're using their money to be that. Um, but maybe their feelings are you know, not necessarily what they're doing. So, um, and I, I see that we as um, Orthodox Christians, if we're speaking directly about us and our faith, is that um, we need to somehow accept it, but also be able to transform to the next level. Awesome. And that's a great segue for, you know, the season that we're in right now. Um, so, Everybody goes through that. You're right, Chris. And, and I see this in my in my own life and my own ministry, people who have anxiety and these kinds of things. Um, it, it exists in the world. Weakness does exist in the world. And the whole message of the church is that once we are baptized um, as Orthodox Christians, uh, once we receive the Holy Spirit, I mean, every person, don't get me wrong, every person is unique and special no matter who you are, exactly. no matter who you are. Because we're all created in the image and likeness of God. Um, for us who are, for we who are in the church, we believe that when someone enters the Orthodox Church, when one is baptized and chrismated, and chrismation, by the way, is also um, something that is found in the Book of Acts. When the apostles laid their hands on those who had been baptized, they said, but had not yet received the Holy Spirit. Again, only know, only God knows exactly how that works. But the point is that once we receive the Holy Spirit. Once we allow him to come into our life um, through the sacrament of, you know, we might even want to call it Christian initiation, baptism and communion. Um, we believe that not only do we receive the Holy Spirit and become part of the church, but that the Holy Spirit also. And here's here's where the, the cool part comes in, gives each of us very special gifts the priest even says when he's doing the chrismation, he says the seal of the gift of the Holy Spirit. I was just going to say, it's like you have a seal on you. You've been marked. 
Right. Yes. Exactly right. So so that that gift is the Holy Spirit, but along with the Holy Spirit comes special gifts. And when we when we understand that, hey, you know, I mean, I may be feeling unwanted or unloved or not special or not cool in school and whatever else and, and meek and not really noticed, et cetera, et cetera. If we have received the Holy Spirit, that is the exact opposite of what the case is. It's the exact opposite of what the case is, even just by being a human being also. But the Holy Spirit takes it one step further. So for when it comes to this kind of concept of the superhero, um, the gifts that we are given, you know, one person is remarkably patient. One person happens to be good with computers. I'm not, you know, one person happens to be good at sports. One person happens to be um, very good at communicating things verbally or being articulate, these kinds right. of things. Though we each have been given some kind of gift by God. And each of each of us are called to bring these gifts back to the church and to use them for the Lord's glory and for the good of his people. And in this way, we go from being you know, lay people to part of the body of Christ. And granted, you know, don't, don't misunderstand me. You know, we're still lay people, but at the same time, there is also this concept in the church of being transformed and becoming something different after baptism. We're still laity, but now we're also part of the, what St. Peter calls the royal priesthood. And the royal priesthood means that we each have gifts. And we might even say metaphorically that these gifts in the same way that we talk about our favorite character, we talk about our favorite superhero who uses their gifts. Um, you know, in the X-Men movies, it's always called gifts, which is kind of cool, I think. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when we talk about superheroes who have special powers, we do too. We do too. And we are also like these kind of characters, we could say, again, all this is metaphorical and just kind of a way of expressing this um, belief in the church. That in the same way that they use their powers, quote unquote, for the good of the world, we too can and should use our powers for the good of the world because we find fulfillment that way. We help others that way. And that fills that gap, um, you know, that that we're looking for, because if it's not there, if this if we don't have a, an understanding that we are loved, we are special. Right. As one priest at seminary said, we are unique and unrepeatable, as he said. Um, if we don't have that, it can lead to depression, anxiety, um, stress, unnecessarily so, um, you know, and all kinds of other psychological problems or even, even you know, less extreme than that, um, just loneliness and, and sure. sadness. I mean, when we don't, when we don't have that in our life. And I think it's also, um, like you're saying, we have the Holy Spirit in us. We must also respect that is in us and that we we try to endeavor to get beyond those moments because we want to um, endeavor to be like what Christ uh, gave us as an example. And I think sometimes there's that notion of you become too in, in, inserted into yourself that you're not seeing the people around you or those that are your loved ones who are your support system or are on your team. They're on your Avengers. They're on your Justice League. And that, that becomes short-sighted. And you got to remember that the church, the community, your friends, your family, they are your heroes, too. They're, they do love you, and let them love you, and let them help you. I think some people shut people off when they get depressed or anxious. I think that's the worst thing you can do. 
I think talk it out, be around people, get your outside of your mindset. You know, that, and that's where anxiety comes in. Anxiety is the fear of the future. Depression is dwelling on the past. So my view is the past has happened, so I'm living in the now. But to worry about what's going to happen in the future, we all do to a point. But to dwell and live in that, that's not what God wants. He wants you to live for now because he said, you never know what will be the last day when I will come again. You know, So if you can you know, get past those moments and seek out a friend or seek, if you're to the point of you're hopeless and, and you feel like you're going to do something to yourself, you seek help out or you, you confide in your, your priest or, um, you know, someone close to you, a family member, especially for young people. We live in a very fast paced world. I mean, I look at my son in first grade and the amount of work they're doing, the amount of events, the amount of emails coming home. And fitting in with everything else, everybody is on accelerated mode. There's times you have to just stop. It's kind of like Ferris Bueller. If you, if you don't stop and look around you, you'll miss it. And I feel that's the case. And I'll say, look, we just have to not go to this, not do this, and just for one day focus, go to church, go out to a lake, get, you know, connect, reconnect with nature, reconnect with God. I think those are things, you know, I see a lot of people on Facebook that are friends that are artists like what do you do to de-stress what do you do you know I say exercise that's key because you know you releases those endorphins those feelings are gonna you know actually diminish eat better get plenty of rest the rest is key especially with artists they like to pull on writers writers you know they're they're deprived a lot on sleep and I think that that applies to a lot of their feelings but you know as you're saying we all have these gifts and uh for not if if we're given these gifts from the Holy Spirit, not to use them is is an injustice. It really is. Excellent, excellent. And, and you you made so many great points there, brother. I mean, that was that was fantastic. I was ready to go preach it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, you also mentioned the great thing, which is being connected to a community. I mean, that's so important. And even psychology tells us that it's so important to be around other people. Yeah. We drive each other crazy. But we just got to do it. We are I mean, creatures. That's we are creatures of community. We exactly. we are bred that way. A tribal, all the way back to tribes and packs. We you know we are part of that mentality. You know because just, God Himself is a community. Exactly. Exactly. So so yeah. So just to, so to to summarize all of it, um, we are each of us. You know, um, first of all, each of us as a human being is very sacred and special. But also, each of us who are who have who have the Holy Spirit within us also have very very special gifts. Um, we are valuable. We are important. Um, we are not only um, worth uh, someone's time, but we were worth um, someone going to the cross for. And and that is very very beautiful and special. So acknowledging that and and of course prayer, um, praying to God so that we may cultivate these beautiful gifts that He's given us. Trust me, if you don't know if you don't know what they are in your life or if you're not sure what your gifts are or why you're special, go talk to your priest, go talk to your parents, go talk to a friend. Um, absolutely um, you are. And they will tell you. They will tell you, you know, those who love you, um, we should surround ourselves with those people. And and uh, and they will let you know, you know, yeah, of course you are. You know, this is. This is what you're good at, and this is what I think you're better at than I am, and and uh, and so forth. So 
very important that we utilize our powers responsibly, so to speak, and uh, and ma- and make sure that we know that they are they bring us that peace and love to others as well. Absolutely. And um, going back to Pentecost, I mean, it is from a Greek word, so you know we're past the fifty days now, but it's not just the fifty days. It's 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 ongoing for for all eternity. When these disciples went out and went to the corners of the world. I mean, they even they suffered just as much, if not more, as martyrs for further belief in Christ and and spreading what His message was. And you know, it's it's even beyond religion. I mean, we look at Christ, the human being. It's a simple message: love. We look at the Holy Spirit and the Father and the Trinity. It makes it, it comes together, and it all makes sense in the end as to why the community of people are important and why you should seek them out. Love it. Absolutely love it. Couldn't agree more. Okay. So uh, I think we are in pretty far in for this episode. I think now we're going to do our um, trivia section. Let's see. Do I have this little... uh, Let's see. Do I have this? Did that come through? (laughs) Oh, sound machine. Now for trivia. (laughs) Creative (laughs) blessings. All right, so this week, Father challenged me to comic, more famous comic book artists, or comic book artists, and um, I challenged him. Well, actually, he came up with the idea of the World Cup, because he loves the World Cup since third grade, he says. So I came up with some questions for him, and um, how about I go first this time? Go for it. Okay. Alrighty. I got a few here, so let's see. This is an easy. I hope this is an easy one. Where was the first World Cup held? And I can give you a choice where you don't need them. <laughs> Do you need? It was the held choice? in Uruguay in 1930. This the final. Oh, was okay. In Alrighty. He knows that. Alright. Um, okay. Let's see if you know this one. How many goals did the best scorer in the history of World Cup score? Are we talking about one tournament or total? Um, total. The number of. Okay. I, I know that the all-time leading scorer as of last tournament became, was Miroslav Klose of Germany. Um, and he has played since, I believe, 2002, I'm going to say. And I think that he has scored a total of 15. Correct. You're right. Well, you know your World Cup. <laughs> okay. Um, that's really too easy. It says what year was it? You know, it's the 88th year. Um, which player scored most overall goals in the World Cup matches forever? Oh no, that was that was close. I think right, 15, 15 goals total. Oh yeah, but no, which player? Which player now? What was the player you mentioned? Yeah, Miroslav Klose. Okay. Well, no, this is this is a different one. Which player? scored well then I won't use that they have someone else listed but okay here here's another one. if it's a, if it's if you googled this and you found an old website you might it might be saying the original ronaldo from brazil they, is that, is that what it says they have gary lineker and no no that's for england for and, england he scored, he scored the most overall for england i think and then gerhard Mueller is the overall for world cup no okay. Mueller's, Mueller's record was broken i want to say oh okay I, <laughs> but you know, but those guys were awesome. I remember watching those guys as kids. I mean, when I was a kid, I should yeah. say. 
um, they were they were incredible. In fact, um, Mueller was uh, there's there's a there's a Mueller now on Germany that has his name. I don't think he's related, but he's okay. he's vying now for a record if he if he has a good tournament. We'll see what happens. Okay. Well, then the other the last question I have is which country has won most World Cups? Brazil with five. Yep. Wow, you really know your stuff. And then uh, the other one, well, I think you would know this one too, is European country with most World Cup titles. Oh, European country, that's Germany with four. Uh, oh, it's actually Italy. Oh, Germany and Italy. Italy, with it's four, they're tied, yeah. You know what, you're right about that. I, I, I should have known that because I love Italy. Um, Greece never qualified for years and years and years right, for the World Cup. Right. So I would just kind of cheer for Italy being the country next door. I remember meeting Alexi Lalas. He was out here in Philadelphia years oh, ago. Awesome. Yeah, when he was with the Olympic team. And uh, I loved Pele from a kid when I played soccer. Oh, yeah. Greatest and, ever. Uh, I love that movie Victory with Stallone, where it's the German. Did you ever seen that, Victory? No. Oh, you got to watch it. It's about a um, – it's during World War II. Michael Caine, they're prisoners of war. And um, Stallone is sent in as a – replacement prisoner he's in the in the underground to set up this soccer game against the germans the germans against the allied prisoners and if they win they're released and it was like a barter system so basically the 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 um match took place in france in the stadium uh during war times and it's based on a true story so it's 1981 victory with Sylvester Stallone. Great, great movie. Pele was in it. All the well-known soccer players at the time. Good movie. I think I've heard of it, but I'm not. I'm not sure. Uh, but I know that Pe Pele was. I mean, he, oh, he came yeah. to the states, and you know, later in his career, you know, in the 70s, as you, that's probably where you saw him. Um, played on the New York Cosmos, but he was he was the Michael Jordan of soccer. Oh, and probably yeah. Will be, you know? he, he was um, he was superhuman the way he played soccer. Oh, amazing, amazing! Um, just to give everybody a little background, um, you know, my uh, <laughs> my dad was a big soccer is a big soccer fan coming from Greece. He never got into the, any of the American sports, no problem with that. Um, but he also turned me on to soccer from a very young age. The first World Cup I ever watched, I was in third grade. It was the 1990 World Cup in Italy. Uh, ex yeah, in Italy, won by uh, then West Germany. Mm -hmm. But I just became a, a living encyclopedia on soccer. And I like to tell people that even though we don't believe in this, World Cup soccer was the second religion in my house growing up. That's cool. That's <laughs> fine. Yeah, my father would, My father played for the Royal Navy. So, uh, no way. Yeah, he played for a year at the Royal Navy. Awesome. And so he was actually back when I was a child – 1977-78 when soccer was starting it was the police athletic league PAL PAL and uh, they soccer wasn't really that popular yet so my father was like the consultant to all the culture coaches in, in our hometown for playing soccer because they all play baseball football and basketball they never played soccer in the the 60s and 50s when they were growing up so it was it was interesting to have him in that position and they, you know, they would all call him up. Well, well, how do you do this in Europe? And what, what's different about American soccer? <laughs> you know, because like, you know, back when I was a kid, they used to call what was it um, left halfback, left fullback. Now they now they have strikers and all these other names that that didn't exist before. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, I can't wait for it to start next week. Uh, from our from from at the time that we're recording, by the time this gets up, we'll probably be in the middle of it. So, and I'll be very much uh, glued to my TV for at least um, a couple of games. That's for sure. So, um, 
Chris asked me today to uh, do famous artists uh, in the world of comic books because he, being an artist himself, has a great respect for those who have been trailblazers in the medium. So I will start with the artist who really needs no introduction, who often is called, well, the king. And we're not talking about LeBron James. Um, we're talking about the king of comics, who was Jack Kirby. He passed away in 1994. Um, but he had a hand, along with Stan Lee, in creating basically the entirety of the Marvel Universe, with some exceptions. Um, and then later, many, many characters. Actually, excuse me, before and after that, many characters at Marvel and DC as well. So I'm going to start with a kind of tricky question, Chris. Oh, I don't know if you get this, but which of the following three characters did Jack Kirby not have a hand in creating? Mr. Fantastic, Iron Man, or Doctor Strange? I believe it's Doctor Strange. Very good. It's Doctor Strange. Yes. I thought I was, I thought I was going to trip you up with Iron Man because he did not draw Iron Man either. Yes, However, yes, yeah. did, he did draw the cover of the first issue of Iron That's Man. That's right. That's right. Yes. Jack Excellent. King Kirby. And actually, there's a very good episode on, and we were talking about Siegel and Schuster. There's a new show. It, the season's over. It was about eight or ten episodes. It's a secret origins or secret yeah. history of comic books by Robert right. Kirkman. Robert Kirkman. And it's, it's a docudrama, so they reenact the lives of Marvel people and, and comic book creators. And two of the episodes was about the Superman trials and how they went to court over it. And from the young men that they grew in and they went to battle with DC Comics. And the other one that stands out was um, uh, Jack and Stan's relationship through the years through Marvel and how they had a falling out. And they, they tried to get together at the end, but his health was declining. But it, it didn't pan out, yeah, unfortunately. It's so unfortunate when you hear stories like that. And it happens a lot. It happens a lot. Exactly. Where, I was just about to say, comics are not any different from any other form of entertainment. And this and goes back to what we're saying, un unwanted, unfulfilled. Sometimes, you know, your ego uh, kicks in and then you feel like another creator has overshadowed you. or you know. And unfortunately, you see some backbiting in, in the arts community saying, oh, this guy's a hack, this guy's art is horrible. You know, there's that, because I think there's that... Um, insecurity you know there's like did i achieve where i want to be and i think everybody has their unique talents and if if you are where you are it's because you worked hard and you meant to be there you know? exactly right so i got two more questions hopefully they're easier okay. uh, straightforward um, i know you're a big john byrne fan yes so this this should be no big deal but when john byrne was wooed by dc to come to dc in 1986 what major character did he reboot and recreate? Superman named Man of Steel. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite runs. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, it's very popular nowadays. Um, you know, with uh, in retrospect, people uh, that he still changed a lot of things in the character that are being used today. So that was that was awesome. I and like, and, I and, and to, to just reflect on him, he his style of art is very, you know, it, it's a next phase, but you know he he was influenced a lot by Kirby and artists of that time. But his art um, has really influenced a lot of the image artists that came into the '90s. I mean, you look at their art, you look at Arthur Adams, those guys before Image. I mean, he, he he you know like Rob Liefeld. I mean, he loved John Byrne. So these guys, you know, lived and breathed John Byrne. I mean, pretty much everybody did back in the '80s. Um, and, uh, you know, just a brilliant artist. Yeah. Awesome. Great visual storyteller. And that, oh, for sure. He's got that, you know, like Kirby's got that lock jaw. He's got that, 
you know, John Byrne's got that stiff upper lip with the uh, the brow. He's got that down pat, you know. I'm amazed at how much how many details you notice when it comes to yeah. pencils and inks and stuff. It's incredible. Okay, last question, and this one you may not know because it might be lesser known, but it just kind of illustrates what how much of a machine Kirby was. You know, we hear stories about how artists nowadays that are especially the great ones that do a lot of work that that are very popular and successful not being able to get out a book on a monthly basis. And the comic books generally are 22 pages right. per issue. There's a lot of creators that cannot meet that because they're they're just, you know, they, they take so much time and so much attention to detail or they're never happy. You know, Neil Adams was a, was a groundbreaking artist, but he really didn't do a whole lot. Um, same with Jim Lee, same with a lot of guys. When Jack Kirby, so this is my question, when Jack Kirby came to DC in 1970, he was allowed to create basically his whole universe of his whole Kirby verse, um, which was, which consisted of at, at one point, I think like four books at a time that he was writing and, and doing the art on. Now we look at this today and it's still an amazing accomplishment to see. But my question is this, how many pages was Jack Kirby at the height of his career cranking out every week? Um, I think he was, if I heard correctly, he was putting out 120 20 pages per week. No, not per week. That's probably per month. Okay. All right. Per month. I'll say per month. <laughs> so then uh, well, 40, actually, 40 a week? Wow. I, I had heard 20 a week. 40 okay. a week would be unbelievable. I, I heard t between 20 and twenty and 25 a week. Okay. Well, I, I believe it. I mean, that's a lot. I mean, but I mean, I used to, I mean, I watched videos of him, you know, back in the, you know, clips of where they just talk about him saying he was just this he was so fast and i mean I, and to bring up neil adams i just want to give him a shout i actually met him last year on a more intimate level at a, a, a fantasy conference called um ix luxcon in reading pa he was exhibiting there and my friend's dorian vallejo and he used to work for him dorian has become a, a well-known foreign artist in his own right um uh, son of boris vallejo the famous fantasy artist and um Neil and I were talking, and it, and it was nice because he was talking about the Siegel and Schuster um, thing about Superman because I bought a Superman uh, recreated print he did, and we were talking about the episode of Robert Kirkman, and he's like, you know, the actor they picked me looked a little off, you know, he was a little younger, <laughs> but it was interesting that you know he's like this was very much the case. I went to bat for these creators who were being taken advantage, and he really. Um, I have to give him a shout out. He really stood up for creators' rights and changed the industry uh, because, you know, they were reinstated as creators and the 1978 movie um, that Christopher Reeve was in, he, they never were having, because all the lawsuits, they were they didn't get any That's credit. Right. Right. And then they were they were given a settlement. So, yeah. I mean, and Adams, Adams was the one that called up and made sure that from now until, you know, forever, uh, there will always be the byline Superman created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. Yep. No, Adams was a pioneer with that. Absolutely. Yeah. And he, he got a lot of rights, uh, including the right for artists to get their, their original art back. After exactly. It's public. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's great. Now, yeah, I think we both did pretty well on that trivia. So uh, uh, the last one, I, I kind of overshot it. You know, that was, I should that know. Was, I should know. Artists can't draw. <laughs> but, um, well, it was a wonderful episode. I think we really, uh, we, delved into some interesting aspects of what Pentecost is and how it affects us personally. And uh, I look forward to our next episode. Our previous episode should be up within a day or two on uh, the Infinity War. 
and you can listen to that and then this one will be up shortly after and then we will continue on and we hope to get a few guests on here soon so um if you go to um cosmosphilly.com or father's blog christ coffee and comics uh, you can listen to the podcast will be up on they're up on soundcloud they will all be up on itunes and stitcher uh within the next week or so so um Listen and leave any comments you'd like and just any suggestions or topics you want to kind of bring into the fold of this podcast. It truly is a blessing. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Blessings to you, Father, and your parish and everybody out there, your family. Likewise, Christo. Thanks so much. And thanks again for everything. Thank you. Thank you.